We started a new message series last Sunday uh, called Breakthrough, and um, this is the theme of our 21 days of fasting and prayer. We are believing God for breakthrough this year. We're believing for breakthrough from the Lord. And in the message last week, I asked you to think about an area in your life or the areas in your life where you need breakthrough the most and make that the target of your prayers over these 21 days. I believe that's what God put in my heart. He was like, where do you need breakthrough? Where are the areas where you need God to show up the most? And I want to encourage you to continue doing that as we continue to fast over the next couple of weeks. I want you to keep petitioning God for breakthrough. You know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Let's not be the people that don't receive answers to prayer because we didn't have the courage and faith to ask him for what we need. Uh, the Bible says that if, a, if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He said in his word that if you will ask anything in his name and faith believing, it shall be done unto you. So let's pray and believe God for breakthrough over these next 14 days in our personal lives, in our family, in our homes. I want you to also pray for breakthrough in our church. I believe this is what God has in his heart for us in this year. I believe 2024 is going to be a year of great breakthrough for the body of Christ. And I just felt like the Lord said, we're not going to break down this year. We're going to break through in Jesus' name. And so I'm just excited about what God is doing. Last week, we started this series off by looking at a breakthrough that King David experienced in 2 Samuel chapter 5 when he defeated the arch enemy of Israel at that time, an enemy called the Philistines, he defeated them in battle. And I gave you five keys that I saw in that story last week that I think are important for us to experience breakthrough from the Lord. And let me just say this, God moved in a powerful way in our service last week. His, his presence was just so tangibly strong in this place. And, and if you missed that message, I just want to encourage you to take some time this week, go online, check it out on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. I believe it will be a blessing to you. And um, as I was praying about where we needed to go next in the series, I really just felt like the Lord brought me back to the same passage again. And so I want us to look at 2 Samuel chapter 5 once again. And we're going to begin reading again in verse 17 in just a moment. But today I really feel like uh, as we pick up where we kind of left off in the story, I think God has something very specific that he wants to say to us today, and I'm going to try my best to deliver this message to you uh, that I feel so strongly God has put on my heart. And I, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that God will help me and speak through me and that his grace and his anointing will cover me, and it'll be his word, not my word. And I also want you to pray for your own heart and your own ears to hear the word of the Lord and receive it today, because I believe that God wants to do a transformative work in all of our lives today. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you again for this opportunity that we have to be in the house of God with the people of God, Lord. God, I bless them because you know it was harder than normal to come to the house of God today. But Lord, I bless this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that they would have ears to hear your word today, and they would have hearts ready to receive it. Lord, make our hearts fertile soil to receive the word of the Lord. I pray that it would go in like a seed, God, and it would produce a harvest of righteousness. We pray for fruitfulness from this word in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, amen and amen. 
Well, Second um, Samuel chapter 5, verse 17, let's look at this again. And I'm just going to kind of briefly make some mentions of, of some things that we brought out last week so that if you weren't here, you're not totally lost with where we're going. But this is what it says in 2 Samuel 5, 17. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it. And went down to the stronghold. Now let me just stop right there for just a minute and remind you that the anointing of God on your life attracts the attack of your adversary. Whenever God starts doing a new and greater thing in your life, the enemy of your soul is going to take notice of that. And he is going to ramp up his attack against you. Your progress spiritually is a threat to the dominion of the enemy. When you start walking in your kingdom authority, you become a threat to his authority, his darkness. And so he will mobilize a force to try and stop you as soon as you get going when you begin walking in the anointing of the Lord on your life. And this is important, I believe, uh, for some of you, because I'm just telling you, there is an anointing on your life, and that anointing has been there for a long time, but you haven't been walking in it, and God spoke to us last week, and he said, this is a year when you're going to begin walking in the anointing of the Lord on your life. You're going to go from walking in your own strength to walking in the strength of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go from walking in your own wisdom to walking in the wisdom that comes from God. You're going to stop living according to your own plans and start living according to the word of the Lord, and when you do that and you start walking in the anointing that is on your life, doors supernaturally are going to begin opening for you, but the enemy is also going to begin attacking you harder and harder and harder. 2024 is going to be an incredible year of blessing, but you also need to know that the enemy has heard about your anointing and he is coming to attack. That's what happened here to King David. His enemies, the Philistines, heard about the anointing on him. And so they gathered in full force to search for him and to stop him as quickly as they could. And David responded to that threat by going down to his stronghold, which was a fortress in the mountains of Judah. And he felt there a sense of security and a sense of safety. He was able to gather with his officials and his generals and figure out what they needed to do about this threat. Now look at verse 18. It says, so the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Remember last week I told you the place where they gathered was significant for two reasons. One, this valley was between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. This valley where they gathered was between the place he had been and the place he was called to go. And secondly, it's significant because of the name of that place. The name of that place was made to intimidate David and cause him to be gripped with fear. The valley of Rephaim literally means in Hebrew, the valley of ancient giants. Now we're going to come back and talk about that more later on. But so they gather in the valley of giants here to Come and find David and attack him. Look at verse 19. So David, from his stronghold, he inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him and said, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Now, this is so important. Don't miss this today. 
Because this is what we're doing. This is where we're going over these 21 days of fasting and prayer. What are we doing? We are inquiring of the Lord, just like David did from his stronghold. We are asking God for his wisdom and his guidance. We are asking God for a divine game plan and divine strategy for how we are to move forward in him in a whole new year, in 2024. How are we going to walk into his will? How are we going to accomplish everything that God has in his heart for us to do this year? Fasting puts you in position to hear from the Lord. And what I've been praying on my own, what I've been praying over my own life is God give me ears to hear and eyes to see. And I want to tell you, just even over the last week as I've been fasting and praying, I've felt so spiritually open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I hope that's been true for you as well. I've heard the Spirit speaking so clearly, and I've seen things that I believe I would have missed had I not been fasting and praying. But that's what happens. Fasting opens our spiritual senses to discern what God is saying and what God is doing. So David inquired of the Lord, And God responded to him by speaking to him about the threat that he faced. He told him, first of all, yes, you should go up and fight against them. And secondly, I'm going to deliver them into your hands. Listen, in 2024, we need to remember that if we will let him, the Lord will fight for us. I want to tell you the church is up in arms about things that we don't need to be up in arms about because we trust God. The Bible says some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we need to quit looking to the left and to the right and quit looking over here for help and quit looking over here for help and come on, we need to quit looking for this at this politician to help us and that politician over there to help us and say, "I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Our trust is in the Lord. Amen. We are trusting God for our provision. We are trusting God for his work and his move in our lives. It doesn't mean that we sit back and do nothing. This is what it means. It means that we inquire of the Lord and we move in obedience. We do what he tells us to do. He will give us a strategy to build our lives in success, no matter what we may be facing this year. So David, in verse 20, it says that he went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated the Philistines. He said, as waters break out, the Lord is broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. Now, now David, don't miss this. He went up to fight against the Philistines, just like the Lord had told him to. But notice he did not fight them on their turf. He did not fight them in the valley of Rephaim. He fought them in a place called Bel Perazim. He called it Bel Perazim. It was not known as Bel Perazim before David and his army got there. He called it Bel Perazim, which means the Lord who breaks out, or another translation is Lord of the breakthrough. And this is what I want you to know today. God is a God of breakthrough. He is a God who loves to break through for his people and show you how strong and mighty he is. As waters break out like a flash flood or like a tidal wave, our God is a God who breaks out suddenly in great power and strength against his enemies. The scripture says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Psalms chapter 110 says, come and sit at the right hand of the Lord and he will make your enemies like his footstool. When God breaks out, it is a sudden burst of it 
advancement. It is a mighty display of supernatural power and strength that causes our enemies to be defeated and the people of God to break on through. Come on, somebody. That's what happened for David and his army. God, the Lord of the breakthrough, showed up for them, and they were able to break through the enemy, the Philistines, who, who were a much larger force than they were. Now look at verse 21 with me. It says, after the Philistines were defeated in the battle at Bel Perazim, they abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. When the Lord breaks out and breaks us through, it causes the enemy to be exposed for the fraud that he is. Their idols fell to the ground powerless because that's the reality of what they are. Now, sometime after this battle, sometime after the first breakthrough that David and his army experienced, the Philistines regrouped. They regathered and they came back for more. Look at verse 22. This is kind of the rest of the story. Verse 22 says, once more, the Philistines came up and they spread out again in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord again, and, he, and this time God answered, and he said, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. I don't know if the Lord's going to let me come back to this passage after today, so I got to tell somebody that you can't depend on what you prayed last year to get you through this year because God has a new strategy. You might be saying it's the same enemy in the same place, but God's like, this time we're going to defeat them a different way. You've got to inquire of the Lord. You cannot live on yesterday's blessing. He's got a blessing for you today as well. Amen. So God gives them a new strategy. And he says, as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of those poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to, now I've always pronounced this word geezer, geezer, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm from the south, and that's how we would say it, geezer. He chased them all the way to geezer. Can you believe that? But apparently it's gazar. So, you know, let's just, let's just get all sophisticated here today. He chased them all the way to gazar. And so what the rest of this story tells us is that while David experienced a breakthrough from the Lord, it wasn't just one breakthrough. He experienced a second breakthrough as well in the same place against the same enemy. And I love this part of the story because it just gets better for David and Israel. Because see, the first time God moved and broke through, it caused the Philistines to scatter. But they regrouped, they reorganized, and they came back together as a threat against David again. But the second time God moved in breakthrough, it ended in utter defeat for the Philistines. In this second breakthrough that they experienced, the Philistines, listen, they got routed so badly that the Bible says they were driven from Gibeon to Gazar. Now, if you were to look at that on a map, you would see that that means that David's army literally chased them off the page. They, they chased them out of the picture. They ended up in a whole nother territory. The Philistines, who had been Israel's arch enemy, they had killed King Saul, the king before David. They, they were terrorizing Israel for years and years and years, always in the way, a constant threat to them, a constant threat to their success and survival in the land. When God broke through the second time, they were defeated so soundly. Listen to this. You do not hear from the Philistines again all the way through David's reign. You don't read about the Philistines again until you read that David 
subdued them completely and made them slaves to the nation of Israel. He com- God completely destroyed them. They were no longer a threat. And there's some really good preaching there that, again, I hope the Lord will let me come back to before this series is over. But I want you to go back to verse 21 with me because I believe the Lord, he brought me back to this story in my study time this week. And even though I tried really hard, he would not release me from it. And I believe there is something significant here that God wants us to see that's going to be crucial for us walking in the breakthrough that he has for us in 2024. There are some things that we have to do in order to experience a breakthrough. That, listen, that a breakthrough that lasts beyond just a moment. Just, that lasts beyond just a temporary reprieve from our enemies. I believe God, the breakthrough that he has in mind for us, he wants us to experience the kind of breakthrough this year where our enemy is utterly and completely destroyed and they are routed from the land and we walk in real and lasting victory like we've never known before. But I believe in order for God to do it that way, there's something that we must do. And I believe the, the, in verse 21, God shows us what that is or he tells us what it is because it is the key to us walking in his power like never before. So let's look together at verse 21 in the story again. Because before David defeated the Philistines for a second time and experienced this overwhelming breakthrough from the Lord, the scripture says that after the first battle at Belperazim, the Philistines abandoned their idols there. Another translation says their images. They abandoned them in the field. And David and his men carried them off. Now, we don't get a lot of detail in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 21, about where David's men carried these idols off to. The scripture doesn't tell us, so we're left only to assume. Did they carry these idols to their homes? Did they take them to their places of worship throughout Israel? Did they take them to the palace that David was having built in Jerusalem? Did they sell them for profit and gain? Did they give them to their wives as a decorative piece for the mantle? Did they, give them for, did they give them to their kids as a souvenir from the battle? What they did with those idols after they carried them off from the battlefield, we don't know because the scripture does not tell us. And see, I think the answer to that question is crucial. And it's absolutely connected to what happens next in the story. And yet the passage doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us the details of what happened in the original language. It only says that they carried them off. Well, lucky for us, there is actually another place in the scripture that gives us more detail about this battle. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. And you got to understand, 1 Chronicles chapter 14 is a parallel chapter to 2 Samuel chapter 5. It's just like the synoptic gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're telling you all the same story about Jesus, but from different vantage points, you get a little bit more detail here with Matthew, and sometimes you get a little bit more detail over here with Luke than what Matthew told you, and Mark is real short and concise. If you want to read the gospel quickly, read Mark, and he's just like, yep, she was healed. You know, and Matthew's like, she was healed of an infirmary in her back. And, and, uh, and, and, and Luke, the physician, is like, actually, 
You know, I mean, it, it, so it, they just build on each other. There is, there, there is more detail added in, and that's what First Chronicles does. It gives us a little bit more detail of the same story here. And in First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 12, it says that after the Philistines were defeated at Baal Perazim, watch this, the Philistines abandoned their gods there. It doesn't say their idols or their images. The writer of First Chronicles uses the word gods, little g. That tells you a little bit more about what these things were and what, how the Philistines viewed them. They were gods to them. And look at the rest of the verse. And David gave orders to burn them in the fire. And so we know from this additional reference point that David's men didn't just carry them off and do whatever they wanted to do with these Philistine idols. They actually carried them off the battlefield to be burned. And this is a significant detail in the story, and I'm going to tell you why. Because in order for you and I to experience real breakthrough in our lives, breakthrough that lasts just beyond a moment, you're going to have to burn some idols. I think it's highly unlikely that you will experience a real breakthrough in your life. Again, something that lasts beyond just a moment. And listen, we've all had incredible moments in the presence of God, right? We've all felt his power. We've received prayer and we felt like God heard us and God moved in our lives. And, and, and we know it's real. He's touched us. We've experienced his power. But the reality is it doesn't last. You feel it in that moment. And maybe you're on a high for a few days, but then the enemy comes back in again and you fall back into the same temptation. You fall back into the same old way of thinking. You convince yourself that this healing is not for you and you start walking in defeat again. It doesn't last. We fall back into these bad habits. What is it that causes the move of God from going uh, from just a one-time experience, a moment of blessing to becoming something that sticks and becomes real and lasting and brings real transformation in our hearts. I'll tell you, it has a lot to do with our willingness to put to death and to burn some things that we may have picked up along the way. That's why Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. He said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed. Watch this. Which is idolatry? So you got to put these idols to death. you got to put them in the fire if you want to walk in the reality of lasting and ongoing breakthrough in your life. And make no mistake about it, that is God's will for you. It's for you to walk in victory, for you to walk over the attacks of the enemy. See, the fact that the Philistines brought their gods with them into this battle lets you know the nature of this fight. This was no ordinary skirmish between two enemies. This was a spiritual battle designed by the devil to stop the plans of God on the earth because God had a wonderful plan for David and for the nation of Israel. It's spiritual. Much like the, the, the battle that every single one of us are fighting, according to Ephesians chapter 6. And in order to win the battle in the spirit, the gods of this age and the idols that are all around us must be confronted and overcome. And the only way to confront them and to, to destroy them and strip them of any influence or power they've previously been given is to burn them, is to get, get them out of our life. And in 2024, I believe this is a year when we must do what David did if we're going to see the results that he saw, if we're going to see breakthrough like he saw. As the idols of this world are exposed for what they are, and make no mistake about it, this year, 
the gods of this age are going to be exposed for who they really are. As they fall to the ground powerlessly, we must not pick them up and adopt them as our own. We must destroy them or they will destroy us. And here's why this is important. We actually see lots of cases in Israel's vast history throughout the Old Testament where foreign deities of Israel's enemies and their idols were not destroyed after God showed up and gave them victory, after God showed up and, and with a breakthrough. Rather, after the breakthrough, the idols were kept by the people, and sometimes they were even worshipped as their own gods. And see, every time you see that in the Scripture, every time you see Israel embracing the gods of their enemies or idols, you see those actions always precede the judgment of the Lord. See, idolatry and the worship of other gods was Israel's undoing every single time. Every single time they, they permitted uh, and allowed idols and, and, and they worshiped other gods in the land, they invited judgment and destruction upon themselves. Why is that? Well, number one, it goes against the Ten Commandments, like the very the, the, the ten things you got to get. God's like, don't do this. If he said it in the Ten Commandments, it's really important to him. By the way, he also said, honor your mother and father, just for you teenagers in the room, just throwing that out there. But the reality is, is that the God we serve is a jealous God. What does that mean? It means that he will not share his glory with anyone or anything. And he will not share the worship that is due to him with any other God, be it a coffee table idol from ancient times or the gods of this present age that we see in entertainment, that like money and pride and fame. What have you picked up and held on to and even maybe started to worship in your life after God has been so good to you? That's the question that I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask us all today. And in the book of Joshua... Incidentally, we see another story of a great breakthrough that the people of God experienced. We see how God breaks through for his people. And he did it when they came out of the wilderness and into the land. They came to a city called Jericho, a city that stood in the way of the Israelites from walking into their promise and inhabiting the land that God had called them to, to live in as their inheritance. And before they could take the land, listen, they had to take the city of Jericho. It was the first major hurdle that they had to get past, the first test that they had to get past. And the problem was there was no way that Joshua and the children of Israel should have been able to conquer that city because it was strong and well fortified. Jericho had massive walls and secure gates, and it went all the way around the city, and it protected them from harm. So physically, tactically, practically, there was no way Israel should have been able to take Jericho. It was an impossible task. So how did they do it? Well, this is so interesting to me because the Lord of the breakthrough showed up in the story right before the battle began. In the scriptures, Joshua actually has a conversation with the Lord of the breakthrough in Joshua chapters 5 and 6. He saw him with his sword in his hand, and Joshua's like, whoa, are you on our side or their side? And he's like, neither. I'm with the, I'm with the Lord's armies. I represent something way bigger than you are. And the Bible says that Joshua fell on his face, and he took off his sandals because he was on holy ground. 
And he has a conversation with the Lord. And as he's having this conversation, God is literally giving Joshua a divine strategy for how to attack this city and win in this fight. And now this, this battle, this strategy didn't make sense militarily. But this was not Israel's fight. Listen, this was God's fight. So the, so the solution didn't have to be practical, but it did have to be spiritual. And let me just encourage somebody here today that maybe feels like you're facing an obstacle that is too big for you to overcome. Practical is good, but spiritual is better. And if you will inquire of the Lord, he will give you a plan. He will lay out a strategy for you that will cause his plans and purposes to come into fruition in your life and cause you to walk in victory. Listen, if it's your plan, if it's your dream, if it's your goals, then yes, think practically. There's nothing wrong with that. Hope it works out for you. More power to you. But if it's God's plan that you're pursuing in your life, practical alone, will not do. It must be spiritual because the solution must come from God. So listen to me. You won't get a spiritual solution by simply observing what somebody else has done or reading a self-help book and copying steps one through five. Scripture says wisdom comes from the Lord. God said in his word that if you will call unto him, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. If If you'll ask him, if you'll let it, the wisdom of God, listen, it will build your dreams and it will establish you in the land that God has called you to inherit to to inhabit as your inheritance. Amen. You got to think spiritual when the plan is coming from God. And so Joshua receives a spiritual plan from the Lord that makes no sense practically. He was instructed by God to march around the walls of Jericho for 7 days. No sword, no spears, no bows and arrows. No machine guns or paratroopers. Just march. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate that. (laughs) Just marching around the walls. That was the plan that God gave them. And so the Israelites, they did as they were told. They marched around the walls of the city of Jericho for six days in complete silence. They didn't say a word. They just marched. And then when they got to the seventh day, the Bible says they didn't just march around one time like they had done the days before. On the seventh day, they marched around the walls seven times. And on the seventh time around, on the seventh day, they pulled out their trumpets and they blew their trumpets. And when the trumpet sound blasted from the priests, the Bible says that the people of God lifted up a mighty shout of victory. And when they did, as the old song says, I learned when I was a four-year-old in preschool, the walls came tumbling down. Come on. That's how, that's how the battle went. They defeated Jericho decisively because it was a spiritual strategy that had come from the Lord. Spiritual strategy, it brings spiritual victory. The Lord of the breakthrough showed up and broke through the walls of Jericho so that he could get his people through to the promised land because he is the Lord of the breakthrough. We see it all through the scripture. We see, listen, this is God's heart for you and me. He is a God who wants you to live in the power of breakthrough. He's a God who wants to show you how strong he is. He wants to break you through. This is a fascinating story to me, but it doesn't stop there because that's not all that happened in Jericho because God also told the people through Joshua that they were not to touch any of the devoted things in that city once the walls came down and their enemy was destroyed. What are the devoted things? Well, they're things that God said belonged to him. 
because they are devoted to destruction. It was their gods. It was their idols. It was their graven images. It was the things that they worshipped. God called these things devoted things because they were devoted to destruction. And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, strict orders were given to the people. Look at it. It says, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. See, if something is devoted to destruction, if you take it into your hands and hold on to it for yourself, you're bringing on the destruction that God has devoted for that thing. You're bringing it on yourself because you're refusing to let it go. And God told them, do not touch any of the devoted things in Jericho. He told them that not to keep them down and keep them from having what they wanted. He told them that for their own good. There, listen, there are some things in our world that are devoted to destruction, and the people of God have no business picking them up and holding them in our hands. Well, there was a man named Achan who did not heed the word of the Lord. And after the walls fell down and the battle was over in Jericho, the Bible says that Achan decided to pick up some of these devoted things and take them back to his tent rather than destroying them. It says in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, that this action that Achan had committed caused the anger of the Lord to burn. Watch this. Not just against the devoted things, not just against Achan, but against all of the camp of Israel. Because Achan had disobeyed the Lord, he had taken these devoted things, he had hid them in his tent, thinking that no one would know. No one would know about it. He, he buried them under his tent. He, he said, nobody's going to know about this. Nobody's going to know what I've hidden in my tent. And the truth is, the people didn't know. They had no clue this had happened. They didn't know anything about it until they went up the next day to attack their next enemy in the land. They went up against the city of Ai, which was a much smaller city, a much smaller force than what Jericho had. And the Bible says that when the army of Israel went up to attack the city of Ai in Joshua chapter 7, they did not have breakthrough like they had in Jericho. They did not see a victory. There was no help from God. In this next battle, they were routed and beaten back badly. They lost several of their men, and the report came back to Joshua that they had been defeated and lost the battle. And the Bible says that he fell on his face before the Lord, distraught, wondering what has happened. We just experienced incredible breakthrough, and you told us to keep going, and now we're getting pushed back. He felt forsaken by God. He felt betrayed by the Lord. Why have you done this to us? Look how God responds to Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down here on your face? You know, sometimes we want God to be compassionate and merciful. And he's like, what are you doing? Get up, you know. He tells him, get up. What are you doing? He says, Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. Watch this. They have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. And that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. He, God says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Wow. Achan's disobedience, it caused the anger of the Lord to burn against him. And not only him, it affected the entire camp of Israel because he chose to take the devoted things home to his tent rather than destroy them. 
there would not be, listen, there would not be another breakthrough for Israel, no matter what kind of promise they had received from God. There would not be another breakthrough for Israel until these devoted things had been dealt with properly according to the word of the Lord. And I just wonder today, how many times we've prayed and we've seen God move powerfully in our lives? How many times we've prayed and we've seen God faithfully show up and be the God who breaks us through, the God who breaks out and breaks his people through? How many times have we seen God work victory for us? How many times have we seen him break out against our enemies like he did at Jericho and like he did for David at Bel Perazim? But rather than picking up those idols that have fallen to the ground and burning them after a move of God, we picked up these idols and we adopted them. We took them home. We hid them away where we thought nobody could see them and nobody would know about them. And we allowed these things to have a place of prominence in our lives, maybe even began to worship them after God showed you how good he is. See, if we're going to see real breakthrough in our lives in 2024, breakthrough that lasts beyond just a moment, breakthrough that lasts beyond just one battle, this has got to be a year when we deal with the idols that we have picked up and chosen to hold on to because, listen, real breakthrough requires a real burning of the things of this world. Here's why. If you look back with me at 2 Samuel chapter 5, after David and his army experience breakthrough and they defeat the Philistines and they take up all those idols and carry them off. Look at what verse 22 says. It says, once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Once more, the enemy regrouped and regathered and came back for another fight in the same valley, the valley of giants. They're back. They're looking for another fight with David. Let me tell you what, let me tell you something. This is the same thing the enemy does against you and me when it comes to spiritual warfare. You and I, you know as well as I do that the enemy does not attack you just one time and then leave you alone for the rest of your life because you got a victory over him. He comes back, he regroups, he regathers, and he comes to attack and tempt you again. And, and this is how the enemy comes at us and, and, and how he attacks us. But what God wants to do is he wants to give us victory, not just for one battle and then we live in defeat for, for years or months or even weeks. He wants us to walk in victory from, from one battle to the next, from the one situation to the next situation. He wants us to live in the place of breakthrough. And now, so let me ask you this. What would have happened the second time the Philistines gathered for a fight? Had David not ordered that the idols of the Philistines be burned in the fire? I can tell you the outcome would have been much different than what we read about in the scripture where God gave David another breakthrough that was more decisive than the first one. See, don't miss this. Because I believe God is trying to give us some revelation here. We experience a breakthrough because God is good and he loves us and it's what is in his heart for us. He wants us to live in breakthrough. But we don't live in the power of breakthrough continually and this is why. It's not because God is suddenly not strong enough to help you overcome the attack of the enemy in your life. It's not that he's forgotten how to fight on your behalf. It's that after we experience the goodness of God in our lives, after we experience his move, we pick up the things of the world. We pick up the things that are devoted to destruction and rather than getting rid of them and their influence in our lives, rather than destroying them, we embrace them, we take them home, we get comfortable with them and we forget that they are detestable in the sight 
of the Lord. We will not walk in victory over our enemies as long as we allow God's glory to be shared with the things of this world and the gods of this age. We just won't. I was at an event recently with a, a, a man of God speaking, and he's got a strong prophetic anointing on his, on his life and on his ministry, and it's real. Listen, there's a, there's a lot of people uh, in the church today that claim to have a prophetic anointing and, and, and walk in a prophetic gifting. Some actually do, and some don't. The Bible says that we are to discern the spirits, okay? Test the spirits to see whether or not they be of God. And listen, just because somebody comes up to you and says, I have a prophetic word for your life does not mean it's from the Lord. And it certainly doesn't mean you should receive it at face value. You need to test that thing. Jesus said, wisdom is known by her children. If this is a word from the Lord, it will be a word from the Lord tomorrow too. Come on, somebody. But this is a, a man of God that I have so much respect for, and he truly walks in a strong prophetic gifting from the Lord. And he was sharing at this conference that I was privileged to be at, and he began to share prophetically about what he sees for the church in 2024. And, you know, I kind of sat on the edge of my seat, and I was like, boy, I can't wait to hear this. I, I want to hear what God is going to do, And because so I've got so much faith and so much excitement about this year and what I believe God is going to do. And he said 2024 is going to be a year of great glory. He said, there is glory coming to the church of the living God. Uh, the, he just, he, he said, that it's, in fact, his words were, it's going to be glory like we've never seen before. And everybody in that conference stood on their feet and clapped their hands and said, yes, revival's coming. This is what we've been praying for. We've been believing God for this kind of breakthrough. And he kind of let everybody calm down. And then he said this. He said, before the glory can come, there must be a cleansing that comes first. A cleansing in the house of God and in the hearts of the people of God. Why do we need a cleansing? It's because God has seen the things that we thought were hidden. And God is saying to his church, I am not going to share my glory. I'm not going to allow you to worship the gods of this world and me in the same breath. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And the church has become corrupted by the things of this world. We have picked things up that are devoted to destruction. We have embraced them as our own and even acted like they came from God. And, so, and some of these things, listen, we've even begun to worship them in our lives. You don't have to bow down to an idol in your living room to be worshiping it. I'm going to tell you, if you have put anything in front of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, then it is an object of worship for you. If you said any part of my life does not have to submit to the Lordship of Jesus, then that's the thing you're worshiping. It doesn't matter what it is. He said, before the glory comes to the church in America, judgment is coming first. Judgment begins in the house of God. There must be a cleansing, listen, before we can handle the holy things of God. Because the glory of God is holy. 
And see, God is ready to send an outpouring of his spirit. That's what is in his heart to do. I believe that with all my heart. It bears witness in my spirit. I believe revival is coming to the church in America and the church all around the world this year. I believe it's going to happen. But what also bears witness in my spirit is that we cannot receive it and walk in it in our current state. We've got to repent. We've got to clean up the house of God from the stains of the world Until we repent and clean up our own houses, we won't see it. Until we experience cleansing from the things that we've allowed to stand in our lives that have taken a stand against the Word of God, we won't see revival. Images that are an affront to the image of the living God. Idols that we have allowed to hold a position of authority in our lives that mock God. The Bible says He will not be mocked. And if we repent, we're going to see God move in an incredible way. But if we don't repent, listen, we're going to, move, we're going to miss what God wants to do on the earth. There's a, there's a glory coming to the church, but it's not for every church. It's not for everybody who claims to be in Christ Jesus. There is a separation that is coming to the church, to the body of Christ. And you're going to see those who are really sold out for Jesus receiving from him like we've never received before. And those who are not really the bride of Jesus Christ, they're, they're only the church in name. You're going to see them exposed for what they are this year. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience more than anything in my life. I want to experience everything that Jesus has for me. So much in this fasting, I don't know why. I do this every January, and I've never really experienced this before, but so much of my fasting, the Lord has taken me back to images and, 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 and thoughts of me as a teenager in my bedroom. With my Bible opened up on my bed, And the Lord just pouring so much into me. I've seen it over and over and over again in my prayer time the other day. I was just worshiping Jesus on the keyboard. And a song came up in my spirit that I haven't heard since the 90s. And I just began to sing it to him. And I feel like the Lord is telling me. And I don't know what he's telling you. But I feel like he's telling me it's time to go back to your first love. When you wanted Jesus more than you wanted anything else. When you would sit in your room with your Bible for hours because it was more precious to you than anything else. God is calling the church back to himself. This is a move of God that needs to happen. I want more than anything else to experience everything that Jesus has for me. I want to see his glory. I agree with Moses when he said, Lord, show me your glory. Oh God, that is the cry of my heart. I want to see your power. I want to see your outstretched arm move and save and heal and set free. I want to see lost people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to see the blind receive their sight and the lame healed and begin to walk. I want to see this nation turn back around for the glory of God. I want to see what God can do. I want to see what I've read about in the Word of God in the book of Acts. When God moved over and over and over and over again and they were added to their number of the church daily because of what God was doing in the city streets. It wasn't happening just in the house of God. It was happening out in the streets as Peter and John walked by people and their shadow fell on them and it caused people who were sick and disabled to be healed. 
It's the power of God. That is the glory of the Lord. And I believe that's the glory that is coming. But we will not see it until we allow God to do a cleansing work within us. This is a cry of repentance. In Psalms chapter 23, verse 3, the Bible says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Real revival must begin with real repentance and real breakthrough must be preceded by a real burning up of the devoted things. The idols, the images, the gods of this world that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God, that have set themselves up against his holiness and his purity. Church, listen to me. I feel this so strong in my heart. This is not a time for you to be hiding things in your tent. This isn't a time for you to take up the things of this world and pretend that nobody sees it. Because God does not look on the outward appearance like man does. He looks upon the heart. And God knows what's in your heart. And he knows what you've had hidden in your heart. This is not a time to hold on to sin and give it permission to hang on in your life. Jesus is coming soon and he is coming with great power and with great glory and every eye will see him on that day. But listen to me, he is coming for a bride, the Bible says, who is pure and holy without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. A bride that has not been defiled by the things of this world. A bride that is holy and set apart unto the Lord. There needs to be a cleansing in our hearts. There needs to be a cleansing in the house of God. Or we'll never experience his glory like he wants us to experience it. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly, but I want to tell you we're already seeing it in the church. We're already seeing this. We're we're seeing... We're seeing ministries fall. We're seeing ministers fall. Their deeds being exposed. What is that? That's the judgment of God on the house of God. In fact, I definitely don't have time to get into this today. But if you read Ezekiel chapter 44, it says that when judgment is on the house of God, this is amazing to me, God allows us to minister to one another. When judgment is on the house of God, he allows the priest to minister to the people. He allows us to minister to one another, but he does not allow anybody to minister to him. So what does that mean? That means you feel good. That means you're encouraged. That means your need is met. But there's no glory. There's no power. There's no authority. There's no breakthrough. There's a cleansing coming to the church and as we continue to see I I believe in my spirit that we're going to see this over the next several months we're going to see a separation occurring of the church to show who is of God and who is not It's, it's sheep and goats God is separating things we're also going to see major ministries that we've looked at and we've said man they're doing it well and God's going to say they've had hidden things and I'm about to expose it for all Israel
judges. And it's not, I want you to understand, when God judges the house of God, it's not condemnation. When he judges the house of God, it is the fury of his love for his bride. He's not going, he's, he's yeah, somebody scored. He, he's, not going to, he's not going to let you enjoy fame and a platform and go to hell. He will expose you for who you are so that you'll repent. That's why God is bringing judgment on the house. And I'm just telling you, it works a whole lot better when you repent and you bring it to the Lord and say, it's me, I've sinned, I've, I've fallen short, I've messed up. Then God's saying, I'm gonna raise you up so that everybody can see the cleansing work of my spirit. And the call of God on our church today, on every single one of us, on our hearts and on our homes and on our lives and on our church is to repent so that he can do a cleansing work within us. This is absolutely essential before breakthrough comes. And we've been praying for breakthrough and, and, and believing for it. And man, God's already been good. And, and, and we got a major miracle this past week. I'll tell you about next week. I'm not going to tell you about it this week. But God is already, he's good. He's so good. He wants you to know he's good. But if we're going to live in breakthrough like he wants us to, it starts right here. It starts with cleansing. That's why God brought me back to this and said, I, you got to see this and you can't miss it. You got to burn these things before you can experience the greater move of God. I want you to stand with me all across the room. The band's going to lead us in a song in just a moment. But this is what the Lord said to me. After the battle, after the first battle, the Bible says that, uh, <laughs> that they dropped their idols on the ground, abandoned them. And the Lord said to me that the valley of Rephaim has become a valley of decision for every single one of us. We've seen what God can do. We've seen God move in our lives. We've seen what victory looks like. Now God is looking to see what you're going to do with the idols that are on the ground. What are you going to do with what's laying on the ground on the battlefield after he has moved? See, he tests you. He tests your heart after you experience his power. Are you going to pick them up and take them home? Are you going to pick them up to be thrown into the fire? Are you going to tolerate them? Are you going to destroy them? Are you going to worship them? Are you going to burn them? It's time for a real cleansing to begin in the house of God. And this is why we fast. This is us getting our hearts postured right before the Lord. Somewhere along the way, we have forgotten that God is holy and that the church is called to be like him in holiness. There is a standard of conduct for our lives. And I'm just going to say this. I don't want to go too forward, but I just, I want to deliver what the Lord put in my heart to, to give you. But I just, I wonder if some of us, like we, we haven't even really made him the Lord of our lives. We're not even, we're not even saved. Because there's no difference in the way we live today than what we used to do. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you, if you haven't made him your savior, are you saved? 
This is what I'm talking about. We got to get our hearts right with God. We got to make things right according to his word. And it begins right here with repentance. Repentance, listen to me. This is a word that so many people are scared of. You shouldn't be scared of it. You should rejoice in it because repentance is God's gift to you. It is a 180 degree turn. It is you saying, I'm no longer going to face the thing I've been facing. I'm going to turn and walk the other way. If I've been, if I've been worshiping the things of this world, I'm going to turn and worship the Lord. If I've been, if I've been, uh, looking into the images of this world. The Bible says that we become what we have beheld. If we've been looking at that, repentance is turning around and saying, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith. Repentance is a transformative prayer. It's not just, I'm sorry. Sorry is part of it. It's, I'm sorry, and Lord, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to let you change me. And I believe this so strongly in my heart. I, listen, God has convicted me about stuff all week as I've been dealing with this. There were things that I, I just didn't even know they were there. God's been just highlighting things. Why does he do that? Because he loves us so much. And as the band leads us in this song, I want you to just let the Holy Spirit highlight some things. And as he brings things to the surface, that's what his anointing does. It brings things to the surface as he highlights some things, some attitudes that you've carried Listen, the Lord spoke this one to me this morning. Some of you have carried attitudes towards his house that is an affront to him. God loves his church. Jesus gave his life for her. And some of the things you've said about church, some of the things you've said about others in the church, God's saying, I want to get that out of your heart. It could be an addiction. It could be a pattern of sin, a temptation that keeps tripping you up. This is another thing the Lord spoke to me. Some of you, you're dealing with something generational. It's, it's not just something that's been messing with you. It was messing with your mom and dad. It was messing with their mom and dad. And God says, I want to break that off of you. I want you to live in victory over it. I want you to experience breakthrough. But you have got to come out of agreement with all of those things and what they told you about yourself and come into agreement with what the, what the word of God says about you. That is the move that God wants to do in this place today. I know it's so strong in my spirit. I want to ask, in fact, I, I, want our, I want our altar ministry team, I want our prayer team just to come over here and stand to my left. And as the Lord begins to bring things to the surface, it might be something that you can just repent for and say, God, you can take this away from me. I repent and I'm done with it. But other things, listen, if you're being honest with yourself, you have struggled at this place for far too long. And the Bible says that there is power in the prayer of agreement. It says when two or three come together, he is there in the midst of them. And if you'll come and allow somebody to agree with you in prayer and pray over you, God is going to break that thing out of your life today and he is going to set you free. I believe that wholeheartedly. So as the band leads us in the song, if you need somebody to pray with you, come and just grab somebody and just they're, they're, they're trained. They're gonna help you. They're gonna help you connect with God. But let's enjoy the presence of the Lord today. We thank you, God.